Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my fiance, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Oh, it's just been a good week here. It is April 11th, 19. 19- 98, almost Easter. Almost. I can taste the chocolate bunnies now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can hear their screams. <laughs> Not the ears. But the ears are the best part. Oh, my God. Uh, I heard somebody uh, in the bank uh, the other day. I'm standing in line in the bank. I heard somebody say... Um, uh, yeah, I like to start by eating the ears first, and I was really hoping he was talking talking about chocolate bunnies. <laughs> right. Ah, <laughs> mm. uh, though speaking of, uh, I guess dolls, <laughs> candy. What? What is happening? Something. <laughs> I'm trying to link this in somehow. Uh, Greenfield Village is allowing girls to step back in time. Okay. That's cool. To a time when they had no rights. <laughs> no, the, apparently there's something called an American Girl doll. Okay. Have you heard of American Girl dolls? Yes, of course I have. My mother's obsessed with dolls. So Greenfield Village is offering young girls and their moms, grandmas, and favorite aunts, hmm. but not unfavorite aunts, a trip back to the turn of the century. It's a chance to try on floral bonnets and ermine muffs. Ride in a Model T Ford, create a keepsake treasure box, learn a few basic housekeeping chores, and march in a suffrage rally. Ah. Best of all, for the girls who collect American Girl dolls, American Girls dolls, I guess. So both are plurals? American Girls dolls? Sure. I thought, so it's not American Girl doll, it's American Girls dolls. Okay. It's a chance to step into the life of a beloved doll. Samantha Parkington, the spunky nine-year-old heroine who's featured in her own historic novel. They've written a historic novel starring an American girl's doll. Um, what do you think? My mom is going to be so excited, and I'm going to have to buy her this and take her there. Yeah, Greenfield Village. I like Greenfield Village. It's fine. It's a, so that's a local thing for uh, for all you people out there. It's a it's basically like I, I think they do like Colonial Williamsburg and stuff like that in um, uh, Virginia, where Williamsburg was. Okay, or, or I mean Massachusetts, where Williamsburg was. No, Williamsburg was in Virginia. I, I don't know. What, I'm, what, I'm confusing myself. What does Williamsburg have to do with Greenfield Village? No, I'm saying it's Colonial Williamsburg is the same idea as Greenfield Village. It's a a section that it's like a museum, basically a living museum it, that they've cordoned off, and it's it's everyone. They've actors that work there and everything, and it's. I can feel the seething hate of your frustration of <laughs> listening to me talk. Is this how you listeners experience it? Are you you're listening to the episode and your faces are just contorted in fucking rage? <laughs> Trying to describe what Greenfield Village is. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Say what you want to say. It's an immersive experience. It's connected, by the way, to the Henry Ford Museum, which is another local thing, but like Detroit, you know, Henry Ford. So that's why they get to go on a ride in the Model T and all that stuff. Um 
and they have like an actual working farm with like a petting zoo and you can learn how to like make your own butter and candles and glass blowing and like all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I had some details I wanted to share as you were fumbling through trying to come up with wow. some comparable idea wow. to it. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Love you. Oh my God. What frustration. <clears throat> but you know what? If you've got a baby that's frustrated, introduce him to the babe magnet. I guess there's four of them. Apparently there's a show from England. Uh, that's coming to American TV called Teletubbies. Oh my God, those things look like the stuff nightmares are made of. Exactly. Holy shit. Look at this picture from the paper. They're like little gremlins. <laughs> it is Tinky Winky La La Dipsy Poe. And I think what's the most frightening, <laughs> look at this one, his face is like, that is a serial killer face. I mean, From oh my La God. La. Oh. They have no noses and uh, no, like, they've got giant eyes and a gaping maw of a mouth, but no eyebrows or any kind of other discernible human features. No, well, they're not human. That's for sure. No, they've all got some sort of weird shape on their head like they're aliens. They look like maybe they're like living... Dolls? I don't know. Let's hear what uh, Mike Duffy, uh, Captain Video File, has got to say about it. He gives it three stars. So, uh, The latest in eye candy Muppet mania? Question mark? What? Uh, right this way for Teletubbies. A whimsically bizarre, splashly colorful show for very young children that revolves around the fuzzy, wuzzy world of four cheerful little niblets Named Tinky Winky, Dipsy, Lala, and Poe. A sensation since it debuted in England last year, where it has sparked gaga pandemonium and now a backlash of controversy and criticism. Teletubbies lands in America starting today, 11 p.m., weekdays on PBLs. Let's call it a baby talking British invasion. Why is it controversial, though? Teletubbies styled to appeal to teensy TV viewers as young as one joins the illustrious PBS preschool programming collective that includes Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, as well as such other wildly praised children's television series as Wishbone. I don't know that one. The Magic School Bus and Arthur. I remember the Magic School Bus. In the bright green hills of Teletubby land, our quartet of roly-poly futuristic rugrats frolics among flowers under a friendly sun that has a smiling, cooing baby face. What the fuck? The sun is a baby's face? Okay, so, I don't know. We don't have children, but if we did, I don't think we would uh, be letting them watch this. No. It's fucking weird, right? Yes. I, that sounds awful. I mean, it and, sounds like the kind of thing that maybe people would like get high and watch, but um, yeah, I guess. But I mean, get high and like fucking freak out, right? Can you imagine the paranoia <laughs> of watching? It's looking at me, Teletubbies. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I won't be experiencing that. Uh, and then, last bit of news: uh, ICP, the Insane Clown Posse, mm-hmm. is starting a. Uh, up a, another tour uh, in May. Right right in time for your birthday, Karen. 
Oh boy, yeah, you go- know how much I love the insane clown posse. They're going in England. You know, it, it occurs to me though, if you're in a clown posse, <laughs> you don't have to tell us you're insane. Right. We know. Exactly. No one's out here thinking you're in an emotionally stable clown posse. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but, Carol, speaking of emotionally stable, we yes, watched Mark. a movie this week. Oh, this was not emotionally stable. <laughs> not at all. Why don't you tell us about City of Angles? So, yeah, City of Angels, Meg Ryan and Nicolas Cage. You know what I was thinking? When we first, when this, when you said we're going to go see City of Angels, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be a movie about a city just filled with David Boreanaz. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Buffy. That would be weird. <laughs> um, no, this movie takes place in Los Angeles, but it's also all about angels who, mm-hmm. for some reason, in this movie, walk around in black trench coats. Yeah, it's so weird. What is that about? I don't know. It's ominous. In a in a weird way, there are a couple scenes where uh, what's his name, Nicholas Cage, Seth. Yeah, did he name himself? I don't know. Or is he just Angel Seth? Who knows? What a weird name. Uh, because if you were going to pick a name, I wouldn't pick Seth. No. But anyway, so he's doing things that the angels may or may not approve of. Hard to say because they oh they wear the blank faces of a severely autistic person, right? You know, his friend's name was Cassiel. Cassiel, yeah. That sounds so much more like an angel name. Than Seth? Than Seth. Yes. <laughs> God's giving out names, and he's like, uh, uh, Aziziel, uh, fucking Gabriel, Cass- Cassiel, Seth. <laughs> so weird. I guess he was just like the defective angel, because right. he... he had a weird name and he got all obsessed with people. I can just see like he names him Seth. He's like, Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, his, his friend is p- played by, uh, the dude from homicide life on the streets. Uh, uh, Andre Brower. He's a very well, good actor. His friend has emotions and he has emotions, mm-hmm. but none of the other angels seem to have emotions. Oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah. The, so sometimes when they're doing something that we don't know if they approve of or disapprove of, they all gather and stare <laughs> in their fucking black trench coats with their blank eyes. I know. I like thought a bunch of Teletubbies. <laughs> I thought they were going to like attack at one point, like because it's like the, what the what the fuck? They just look so creepy. Yeah, it's fucking weird. But the movie starts out. It made me cry right away, which pissed me off. Oh yeah. <laughs> but this little girl has a temperature, and her mom's praying. And how old do you think she was supposed to be? Like. Five, six. Yeah, real little. Mm-hmm. And she has a temperature of 105. Yeah. Uh, maybe you waited too long there, Mom. I mean, no, not to, not to blame, you know, but. That's mean. She probably was trying to treat it. She probably gave her Tylenol and it just kept going up and set it down or whatever, you know. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm assuming. Who knows? Yeah. I had a temperature of 103.6 once. Oh, nice. How about you? What's the highest your temperature's ever been? <laughs> just curious. Um, I believe I hit 104.1 at some point. Ooh, that's awful. Yeah, no good. But so the mom's drawing this girl an ice bath, and this our main character, Seth, is introduced by being the creepy man in a black trench coat just staring mm-hmm. at the seat. Swatching her. And she looks over. She could, The little girl can see him. Yeah. It's clear 
that the mom can't. Mm-hmm. One thing, and it's this speaks to more than just this one scene. I liked this movie. Yeah. Uh, quite a bit, actually. I liked it. I didn't like the ending, but I liked it. Um, one thing that this movie does very well is establish a world of angels. Mm-hmm. Really, like, what the rules are. We, I feel like I understood exactly what the world of angels was without it being, like, hit over the head. Yeah. Like, they developed the story and developed the world at the same time. I, th- I thought they d- d- did a very good job of that. I agree. Um, they're, then they're in the hospital, so Mom obviously called 911, and he's just staring at this girl, and then all of a sudden she's standing with him, but her dead body's on the table, and she's flatlining her, and her mom's crying, yeah. and it's awful. And and she he's like, she's like, where are we going? And he says, home. Mm-hmm. Can Mommy come? No. no. <laughs> like, that's so awful. And then, he just looks at her and he's like, never. She's going someplace else. No, he did not <laughs> say that. But um, but she's he, she said something like, she's not going to understand. Yeah, yeah, she said that, yeah. Like, do you understand? Is that what happens? You die and then you understand everything? Like, Maybe, I, don't I don't know. She seemed very calm for dying, so. Don't you think? Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, she didn't cry. Her mom was crying. <laughs> she right. was fine. Well, who knows? Like, she'd, she'd become something else at that point, right? What do you You're mean? looking confused. Like, well, she's a spirit. Well, now. yeah. So she's not a human anymore. So who knows? I don't. They didn't. They did not establish what the rules for people who died are. Right. Just that they go someplace else. Home. And they can't become angels. Yeah. Angels and people are different things, which is what I believe, too. Um, cause I, I mean, that's what the Bible says. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so let's get into your personal. Okay, fine. Angels. I'm just saying I liked how they portrayed the angels. You know, if angels existed, then the California angels would win more games. <laughs> I didn't love though. Like the angels did a lot of just standing around staring and not a lot of helping. They did some helping some, but I mean, what are they supposed to do? They can't control all actions. Well, yeah. Cause people have free will. Yeah. They mentioned that. Yeah. Like, at one point, there's, like, a, a robbery, and both the angels are there putting their hands on the guy being robbed and the guy robbing. They're calming them down. Yeah. They're helping ameliorate the situation. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that is helpful, but, like, why not save the little girl's life, then, like, if you can do something? He also helped an air traffic controller. Yeah. They don't They don't save anyone's life directly, really. No. I mean, I, my assumption was that the... The point of the movie is when it's your time to die, it's your time to die. That everyone has free will, but that our deaths are predestined. Yeah. Because the little girls seemed predestined. And later, when Meg Ryan, Maggie, that she's a, a surgeon, has performed a surgery, done everything by the book exactly right, and the patient crashes anyway for no discernible reason. Mm-hmm. And she tries to save him. She massages the heart. Absolutely nothing she tries works. And he dies. And she has a crisis of confidence where she's like, it, you know, then what is what do I matter? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a weird existential crisis thought. If that's the case, if all of our deaths are predetermined, 
then it doesn't matter how good or bad your doctor is. Yeah. They're not going to be able to save you or kill you if it's not your time to go or it is your time to go. I guess that's true, but there's a lot of, you know, in between that doctors can help with. Right, for sure. Quality of life and things like that. I mean, if he hadn't died, she would have massively improved his quality of life with the, you know, bypass Mm. surgery. Like, Right. But so, so that's what it seems like part of the thesis of the movie is. And then I guess we can get into spoilers, you know, right away. Yeah, so uh, pause it and go watch the movie if you haven't. Right. So she dies, Mm -hmm. Maggie, at the end of the movie. And her death also seems predetermined. He even says at one point he's pissed off with with Andre Brower and everything. And he's like Cassiel. And he says, why? Because her number was up or whatever. Like, you yeah, know, he and, says there's nothing I can do. Yeah. And it's it's implied that it's just like that. That was her time. That was when she was going to die. She was always going to die at that time. So I wonder if in another alternate reality, if that exists in this world, which I guess it probably doesn't. If she would have been with the other guy. She would have been there for whatever reason. Because she was dating somebody else. A dude, I think his name's Colm. Is this the actor's first name? But uh, he always reminds me of the dad from Family Ties. (laughs) I've seen him. He's like a character actor. And I've seen him in a few other things. But he looks like Michael Gross. I think that's the guy's name. The dad from Family Ties. But they're (laughs) not related. Interesting. But, um, yeah, she's dating this guy, and he has, like, no personality and no emotion. No, not at all. He proposes to her, and he's like, hey, let's get married. Why don't we? We're, we're alike, you and I. We're both the same. We, we know the job. We can get married. We can have it done, and we, we can get back by Monday and not even miss any uh, patients or anything. And it's like, what the fuck? But he had glassy eyes like he might have been tearing up. Like, he seemed emotional for him sure. in the scene. Yeah. She didn't seem in any way receptive. No. So, I don't know. I don't know she why. she was thinking about Nicolas Cage. Well, yeah, okay, because she feels so awful about this patient dying. She goes in the stairwell and cries. Nicolas Cage sees her cry. He also felt like she saw him. In the, when she was trying to save the life. Yeah, so he gets obsessed with her because he feels like she saw him or knew mm. he was there or whatever. Yeah. So he's kind of like stalking her invisibly. And he, right, exactly. <laughs> but he wants to help and make her feel better because she's all distraught. The best kind of stalking. So he chooses to reveal himself, which is a thing they can do. Yeah, exactly. And they can expose themselves to people if they want. <laughs> make Just it like sound dirty. The <laughs> well, and Cassiel even says and brings up a very good point. Why do you want to, you know, do that? Like, yes, you can show yourself to her, but why? Yeah, exactly. He never answers it. It's because he likes her and he wants to. I exactly. mean, that's all there is, He's, really. He's in love with her. He's obsessed with humanity. Mm-hmm. He goes to the library. Of course, I guess all of the like a lot there of there was them a ton do. of them in there. Yeah, they go to the library and they because they can hear people's thoughts. So, and yeah, people are reading and it's like an audiobook. Yeah, and so do you? Is that how you think when you read? Do you think in the sentences? <sighs> Sometimes, like I was reading out loud to my niece the other day, right? Mm-hmm. And I realize I'm reading out loud. I'm speaking the words. But my mind is not focused on that. Like, sometimes I'm like, I'm amazed because I'm like, am I really saying these words? Because my mind is seeing this story in my brain. Like, I, right. you know, that's how I read. I see the story. But I assume the words and the sentences go with it, too. So most of the time when I'm thinking, I think in words. Okay. Like, I think in 
in dialogue, I guess, as you could, you could say. But when I read, I almost, and when I write too, because I write as well, when I read and write, I almost always think in pictures. Hmm. Like there's a movie in my head. And then if I'm writing, I'm describing what I'm seeing and, you know, mm-hmm. then hearing the dialogue. That's a bit like words. But um, that's like, that's how I think. So I think in both ways. Yeah. I think, you know, because there are people that think conceptually, they just think in concepts or in pictures or whatever. And there are people that think in words. And I do both in different aspects. I think most people do both. It's been like my experience. I've only met one person that actually only thought in words. I've met a person that's only only thinks in pictures. Hmm. They're like they were like amazed. They're like you, you you like think words in your head. I'm like yeah. It was like an alien concept to them. Well, like this dude, I was talking to him on the phone, and he was like, like I can say this is what you look like. I can tell you what you look like, but I can't picture you. Ooh, weird. Yeah, yeah. Now, this particular person had some brain damage, so I don't know if that had something to do with it, but... What initials? (laughs) SQ. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that could have been part of it, but that's the weirdest thing I ever heard in my life. Like, could not picture anything. Yeah, that's fucked up. Okay. Can't be be a writer, then. No. No, because you have to be able to describe something. How can you describe Mm -hmm. if you can't imagine it? Right. Yeah. I mean, it like, you could... You could do it, but like it would it would fall flat. So, like if you only think in words, if you can't picture something, because when you're writing, you're making stuff up. Mm-hmm. So like if you can't picture it, you're not going to notice the small details and the, the little things that people can have a common frame of reference to that actually brings it to life. It would just feel very flat. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like Hemingway. No. Right. Well, you could you could maybe do like a screenplay or something like that where the director or somebody else fills the images in. Yeah, it's all just the dialogue. But yeah, no, Hemingway is Hemingway was okay at describing things, I guess, but at least the scenery. Apparently he could describe food. Right, exactly. (laughs) They never forgot to 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 describe what food tasted like or whatever. Uh that's why What's his name? Nicholas Seth. Cage. Seth yeah. liked him so much. Because they angels can't experience any kind of touch or taste or smell. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they can see in here. Right. But they, yeah, they can't experience a lot of things that people can. Mm-hmm. So, But they experience other things that people can't. Like they hear the fucking uh, sun singing a song right. as it rises and sets or whatever. It's like an angel choir or something, but it's... It's the music of nature, the stuff we can't hear. It also seemed to be like a teleportation. Yeah. I mean, like, they talk about wings. Mm-hmm. But the way they talked about wings, I'm not sure they had them. No, I don't think so. They, they his, What's his name? Dennis Franz is like, that you travel by the speed of thought or whatever. So yeah. it's like, basically, he just thinks he's somewhere and he's there. Because the little girl who died, she wanted to be an angel and she wanted wings. Mm-hmm. And when they explained to her. She can't be an angel. Then she's like, well, uh, they also explained, I guess, about how, what it's like to be an angel or whatever. She's like, what's the point of wings if you can't feel the wind in your face? Exactly. Because like, he was going to, he's like, maybe I should make her a set of paper wings. <laughs> but it also implies that he visited her to wherever she went. Heaven, presumably. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like he spent time with her. Yeah, so it, it, they can also go to heaven if they want to. 
but they spend a lot of time on Earth for whatever reason, just helping people or whatever, observing. Who knows? Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird. That's a weird existence. Like being, I would not want to be an angel under those circumstances. Yeah, no. I mean, it's almost like being a ghost. Yeah, and forever, for eternity, or until Christ comes back, or the world ends, or or whatever you know this version of the world, you know, in the movie believes. Um, but yeah, just a weird situation. But yeah, so he reveals himself to Maggie mm-hmm. to tell her that you know it wasn't her fault. Yeah. And what he said that they were living just not the way that she thinks of it or something yeah, like exactly. that. I don't know. He's, he is very overt about the fact that he's not a human. Yeah. But he doesn't come right out and say it. And so then she, when she's walking away and she turns around, he's gone. Like, if I were her, I would have thought I've had a supernatural encounter. Yeah. Oh, for sure. She didn't seem to make that connection at all. Well, she also implies that she's kind of an atheist. Yeah, that's true. uh, At the beginning. Until she had that experience, though. Then she felt like there was something more. Yeah. The experience of her patient dying. But her next patient is Dennis Franz. Can't remember his first name, Carl or something like that? Uh, Messenger. Yeah. (laughs) His last name is Messenger. Which, you know, I mean. Yeah. It was a little heavy handed. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) Um, and he smuggles food in. That's hilarious. Like to the hospital, he's waiting to have a heart surgery. He's eating Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, where did he get that? They ask. He never answers. <laughs> he, he fucking snuck out. He knows his ways. Yeah, but so, uh, he's he he has his surgery. He ends up being fine and everything. Um, and he's recovering, and then he just says he's he's in the room alone, and he says, "Hey, you know what?" I know you're there and you can tell them I'm not coming back right now. Like, you know, somebody made a mistake. It's not my time. I don't feel like I'm dying, whatever. And uh, then Nicholas Cage reveals himself. He's like, what the, f-? he's like, you can tell I'm here. And he's like, yeah. And it turns out that Dennis Franz used to be an angel, but he fell presumably because he fell in love with yeah it sounded like it was on purpose with the the woman that he well he said it it is it is on purpose for sure because he says you decide that's like what an angel can become a human being if they decide to fall essentially Mm -hmm. so but like you know most of the time the term fallen angel refers to a demon not yeah like a human so that's kind of weird it's a weird take but so uh like he you know he's got a wife grandkids yeah like human beings that wouldn't have existed had he not done this. It's weird. It's kind of weird. It is weird. And what it, DNA is he holding? Well, and like if everything's predetermined, then it was predetermined that he'd fall and father all these people. But I don't think everything's predetermined. They mentioned free will more than once. Yeah. And I think that not everything's predetermined, but people's deaths are. Interesting. Their deaths are predetermined, but besides that, they have free will. Just got to make sure you get to uh, point B from point A. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, like, so she maybe didn't necessarily need to even be up there at Lake Tahoe to die. It's just she was going to die wherever she was at that time. Maybe. Yeah. Like, uh, hmm, yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. um, So he decides that he will fall to be with her. Right. 
And this is after he finds out. Like, he thinks about it for a while. There's a few different times. She's like, I don't want to see you. Go away. Go away. She knows he's an angel. Yeah, he tells her. It, like It eventually comes out that he's an angel. Yeah. Like, the other dude, the fallen angel dude he talks to, says that he never told his wife because he didn't want to do that to her. Yeah, he tried to a couple times. But he's like, yeah, they're not. They, they wouldn't understand. They're not ready for it or whatever. But Nicolas Cage has no qualms about doing that to Meg Ryan. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, he um, he finds out that she's the guy has proposed marriage to her, and she decides that she's going to accept. She goes and seeks him out to mm. tell him that. Yeah. And that's when he falls. That's when he's like, fuck this, I got to get in there. Yep. It's ridiculous. I got to get in there. This is the point where the movie gets a little ridiculous. Yeah, so... The majority of the movie is him as an angel struggling with his feelings for her, her struggling to make sense of the world. And the movie does a lot of very good emotional connecting between the characters, development of the characters. Everything's going well. And it's very good. After he falls, it... The movie doesn't know what to do anymore. <laughs> it like it loses its way and it feels like it's sprinting to the finish line. Yeah. It feels like this the screenwriter was like, I know where I want I know how I want this to end. The emotional gut punch to the end. Uh and so we just we just got to get there. That's what it feels like. Yeah, so like he's when he falls, he gets hurt. Mhm. Which makes sense. I mean, he would be dead if he was an actual human who'd fallen from right. the top of a, you know, a skyscraper. skyscraper. Yeah. But um, his face is smashed. He's bleeding and stuff. He has no money. Nope. The other fallen angel warned him, like, it hurts and you're hungry. You'll and smell. You know, yeah. All this you're going to be tired as hell. But he's so happy. Mm-hmm. He's dancing around, singing happy, yeah. like a lunatic yeah. in a black trench coat with blood running down his face. Right. And, like, he should have been picked up and, like, put in a mental institution. No shit. That would have been a very different movie. He just gets fucking institutionalized. Right. But he does find his way to the hospital by chasing ambulances because he's looking for her. And then... Becomes a lawyer in the process. (laughs) Right. Um, He gets told by one of her uh, doctor friends that she went away to get married. Mm Mm-hmm. In uh, Lake Tahoe, where her her uncle has a cabin. It's a cabin that's been mentioned a few times. And he just jumps up and starts running. Like, you're going to run from L.A. to Lake Tahoe? Like, what? what? Yeah, he doesn't even know where it is. He should have asked the lady, hey, can you help me get there? Like, whatever. What I think is funny, too, is so he's hitchhiking because he doesn't have any, he realizes he doesn't have right. any money, right? And this car stops, and he gets this smile on his face, and he's like... Because he's like, help me, you know, or whatever. And this car stops and he gets a smile on his face like, uh, you helped me, uh, Andre Brower. <laughs> and they all, the like, four dudes jump out and just beat the shit out of him. And steal and, his shoes. It's so funny. Were they really good shoes? I mean, I know this has happened. They were angel shoes. Right. I know this has happened, but it's supposed to be for like those $200, like, really good shoes. The, the Jordans. Yeah, whatever. Stuff, yeah. Not some scuzzy... Uh, Black uh, yeah, Doc boots. Martens or something like that. Right. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so then a semi truck stops by and he's like, Yeah, I'm going to Reno. Like, I'll tell Tucky or whatever. 
And then we see Andre Brower just smiling. So it's like, that's when he helped him. Yeah. But he also let him get the shit beat out of him. Well, maybe he was busy doing something else. Maybe they would have knifed him if he hadn't uh, interfered or something. We, yeah. we don't know. But so he gets he gets up to Reno. To Reno, yeah. And he's just like wandering around like, what the fuck am I going to do? And then he sees a phone book. And it's then he then he suddenly he's at her door. Yeah, explain. We need more of a leap. Just like I remember, there was another point in the movie where I'm thinking, like, we need more explanation. Like, there was a few times that mm-hmm. they want you to take a leap with them, right? But you don't know where you're jumping. Exactly. So how do you get there? It's a leap of faith, Carol. Mahal. I mean, I guess maybe we're supposed to think that he looked up her uncle's address. Yeah. In this phone book, and it's then hitchhiked cabin. there. It's got to be in his name, right? Right. I mean, what the hell? But I mean, I guess we're supposed to suspend disbelief. He found his way to her in this yeah, cabin. And that's all that matters. So then they have fucking gross, weird sex. Oh my god! It is so uncomfortable. It's the weirdest thing in the world. I didn't think that a sex scene between two, you know, reasonably attractive stars on screen could be so uncomfortable because <laughs> it's okay we're meant to fit together is he a child why are you explaining well, this to him yeah, that's the thing too because that's fucking creepy if you yeah. think about it but so earlier in the movie he's an angel right and so he can't experience anything so she's like eating a pear and he's like describe to me what it tastes like and she's like um it's like sugary sand and all that stuff and everything and he's like, oh, it's cool. I could eat a peach for hours or whatever he says. <laughs> um, and then he's like, but he keeps like, uh, he keeps asking her to describe different things, right? And so when they're having sex, she's like, first of all, it looks like they've been computer generated mm. together. Like they weren't even in the same room or something. <laughs> it's weird. Like, I don't know if it's the cinematography. I don't know what it is, but it it looks weird. It does. And she's like, uh, describe to me what you're feeling or whatever. And he's like, I can't. And she's like, do it anyway. If we were having sex and you were like, describe to me your feelings, I'd be like, disgust now. <laughs> and I'd get, you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, just, what a weird, off-putting thing to say to somebody. Yeah. It, the whole thing was just gross and weird. So then he's like trying to describe being inside of her, I guess. Um, and, and then, yeah, and then she's like, oh, we fit together. And it's all, it's all weird. It's a, it's the weirdest sex scene I have ever seen in my life. I mean, it literally like, instead of being arousing, it made me queasy. Yeah, it's fucked up. So they're all happy from the weird sex. <laughs> yep. And he's taking a shower. Like that's supposed to be like a big deal. Yeah. By the way, uh, Dennis Franz was like, you fucking reek and you smell and everything and you're dirty and shit because, you know, you become a human for the first time, right? He didn't take a shower before they had sex. This dude fucking hitchhiked, had a dog laying all over his lap, <laughs> got the shit beat out of him, right? fucking ran from uh, Reno up to, you know, to Lake Tahoe <laughs> and everything. And then they had, they had gross, sweaty, weird sex. He Take a shower first. Shower. <laughs> like, she should have been like, oh, my God, you're here and you're human. Ooh, there's a shower <laughs> over there. Before we get into anything. Oh, God. Yeah, it's just the whole end of this movie is weird. Yeah. She has gone to the market to buy food. Mm-hmm. She wants him to experience eating a pear. Right. 
And she happily rides her bike because she rides a bicycle everywhere. And she's riding her bike back from the store with with groceries. Sure. And no hands on on the handlebars. I know. What what are you doing, lady? Her eyes are like, she's looking up at the sky. Her eyes are shut. Like, why are we doing a trust fall on a bicycle in the mountains? (laughs) So, I mean, you know, you're getting kind of a bad vibe. Kind of a bad feeling. Sure. But then... This truck comes out of nowhere, and it doesn't hit her. A logging truck. She hits it. She rides her bike into the side of a logging truck, which then kills her. I don't understand. Like, Did she throw herself into <laughs> the logs? I don't understand. I don't know how you die from... If a car hit her, mm-hmm. that makes sense. But she rode her bike. It's not even like this car was going 30 miles an hour. Right. It was, it was stopped and making a turn. And she hit the side of it at whatever, the, the maybe Ten miles, 15 miles maybe, an hour yeah. she's riding her bike. And that's booking, really, if she's, uh, if she's going that fast. And like you said, she was no-handed. She was probably only going like between five and ten miles an hour. And I mean, she did open her eyes and see it for a couple seconds before How did she, she hit not it. Stop? Like, yeah, just fall. That would have been better. Just fall to the side. You know what I think happened? Hmm. I think her eyes were closed. She opened up. She saw that truck, and then she thought of. She flashed back to the creepy fucking sex they just had. She was like, you know what would be better. Just take myself out of here. <laughs> I think that's what happened. She didn't have the heart to tell him, like, uh, maybe let's go our separate ways. The and, sex wasn't good. Right. And she took herself out. <laughs> but then he just, like, he runs to the scene. So she must have been very close to this house. Like, he how he even knew, I don't know. Yeah, he knows. And, like, they say goodbye to each other. Yep. And then the rest of the movie is just him being depressed. Yeah, there's not much left to the movie after no, that. But he, he hangs and they go to a funeral. He hangs out with Dennis Franz, and Dennis Franz kind of gives him a look like, hey, you know. And Yeah, and at the end, he goes body surfing while the angels are listening to the sun or whatever. Right. And it's okay. like, all right. So he gave up being an angel to be with her, and all they did was have one night. Yeah. It's stupid. Like, we invest all this time into this movie for that. I want to see City of Angels 2. Where he just has a series of one night stands. I want them to stop the movie mm-hmm. right when they're done having the weird, creepy sex. Right. And they're happy. Yeah. That would have been better. It was so I didn't love I didn't love the ending either. I get the idea of um you know that it's supposed to be tra- a tragedy and everything and and feeling that that loss is part of it's all supposed to be part of the human experience. Like that's what the movie's supposed to be. Right. All the emotions and things that we all go through and a loss like that is is something that most of us are gonna have to experience at some point. So I, I get it. And there's there's obviously themes of death and rebirth in the movie. Uh the the Ernest Hemingway book that they're that they kind of feature in the movie is a movable feast, which is the name of a holiday that moves days each year mm-hmm. or moves 
dates each year. Day stays the same, like things like Easter, like Thanksgiving's a movable feast, and like I said, like Easter coming up, yeah. is a movable feast. And Easter has the theme of death and rebirth, huh, yeah. and I think that you know this movie also uh, you know carries that theme over. Interesting. So. Uh, in general, I liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. It's probably even worth seeing on the big screen. It's just really weird. It's there's there's some odd things about it. the first two thirds of the movie. I think are very good. Yes, and, and it has a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. I like the soundtrack. Iris and uh, uh, that um. Angels, yeah. Arms of the angels. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's... Like I said, the the movie to me has a pacing problem. Yeah. Where it's the last last third of the movie is like, let's sprint to the finish. Get her killed. Yeah, and I I don't like that part. But you were going to say, I think you were going to say something about the Alanis Morissette song in this. The sticky pistons and stamens and oh, stuff. Oh no, no, that's that. Uh, I thought the the Lannis Morissette song was the one that was at over the end credits. Oh, I liked that song, but I did not like the uh, <laughs> the gross like they play this song that just it it if it had a smell, it would smell like sex. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just Astroblood. like it's just like heavy, and she's like I think masturbating in the bathtub, thinking about him. Something, and he's sitting there listening to her thoughts. Oh, like, yeah. what the fuck? This movie's weird, guys. It's just fucked up and weird. But yeah, they're playing this song that's like, uh, my sticky stamen in your <laughs> pestle, or whatever. Which is like, what kind of fucking biology kink is, is <laughs> right? this song aiming at? And then it's talking about... Um, Amazon running between my thighs. thighs. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Oh, uh, That's okay, we can change those sheets. Um, it's weird. Yeah, there's some weird stuff about this. Yeah, movie. I mean, it's it's an enjoyable movie, but I, I, when you actually dissect it, it's mm, <laughs> it's questionable. But uh, what's not questionable, Carol, is that this is the end of the show. <laughs> it is. So you can write us at latefee1994awl.com. Yes. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Oh, yeah. And share the tapes with your friends. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.